If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with us to St. Luke chapter 4. And what I wanted to do is uh, to be able to bring uh, this sermon in with this song that they sung. Uh, I wanted to name it Chain Breaker because that's the name of the song, Chain Breaker. But I titled it, by the way, if you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and Brother Steve and some of them will make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon today. I named it, There's a Better Life. And maybe some of us here this morning will need to experience a better life. Uh, our vision statement here at the church, transforming lives through Christ. And we believe that there are many lives that need to be transformed, changed. And we know that really and truly the only true way to have lives changed is through and by a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what I wanted to do is read from, from St. Luke chapter 4. And I'll read a few verses if you'll read with me. It's on the screen. Uh, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. You see, if there was anything that he loved, Christ, he had a love for the house of the Lord. He loved to go to church. The Bible says, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He goes on to say in quote from, from Isaiah 61, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptance year of the Lord. If there was anything that Jesus wanted you to know and wanted you and I to be familiar with is that he come to bless us, to minister to us, and to do the things that he said here. In fact, this I believe is the keynote of his entire Christ, entire testimony. And it's the beginning of his ministry here on this earth. Read with me from your notes, if you will, the introduction. Jesus' sermon text comes primarily from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Jesus taught from this passage and explained to the people in Nazareth what he came to do. Notice what it says. The six statements in this passage were aptly summarized Christ's earthly ministry and what he came to do. In the Hebrew, which Jesus was reading from, he was reading from a scroll from, as I said, the book of Isaiah, and it was written in Hebrew. Uh, the word Messiah means the anointed one, the anointed one. And so when Jesus <clears throat> reads of the anointing, <clears throat> In the first part of verse 18, that is a clear reference to the Messiah. And of course, the Jewish people, Israel had been look, looking for the Messiah to come. And notice what it says. The rest of verse 18 and on into verse 19, <coughs> excuse me, 
tells us six things that the Messiah would focus on. And that's what I want to do as we take a brief time here to look at the six things that Christ has presented not only to the children of Israel, but to Gentiles and the whole of the human race, what he came to do. We see here, first of all, Jesus' identity. Second of all, Jesus' mission. And thirdly, his work and how that he not only came to do that, but how he came to accomplish this. First of all, he said, I have been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is good news. You turn on your television and listen to the news, you don't hear a lot of good news. You open your Bible and begin to read the word of God and you begin to see the gospel, which is good news. God has provided for you and I that precious good news through and by a Savior, none other than Jesus Christ, a Savior from sin, and that those who believe in Jesus Christ will be given eternal life. Now, when he says the gospel to the poor, he was saying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is given to the poor, which means those who are spiritually bankrupt. It doesn't necessarily mean poor as far as the economy is concerned, and it could be, because Jesus loved poor people. And so he came to preach to the poor, those who believe in Christ, and those who would have eternal life. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is about many things, but two of the things it's about, it's about healing, and it's not only healing physically, but a healing spiritually. And it's about reconciliation. Man lost his identity with Jesus Christ and God. He received that identity back through and by the death and the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Steve. So we find that the gospel is about healing. It's about blessing. It's about reconciliation. It's about redemption provided for all mankind. Not only did he come to preach the gospel to the poor, but number two, he came to heal the brokenhearted. Sin not only impoverishes, but sin breaks hearts. You know, we have a wonderful crowd this morning, and everybody's worked so hard. And I thank God for all of our guests and our visitors that are here today. And we hope you feel at home because, uh, it, it, as Christy said, this is family. We want you to be family, all of us. And we don't know who's sitting here this morning that has certainly a broken heart. If you have, Jesus Christ came to comfort and to help us through our sorrows. Many of us know uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want to read it. I can read it from the New King James or the King James Version. For all things work together for them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. I've thought about this verse many times. And I've looked at it to say all things work together 
for those that love the Lord. It is one of the most quoted verses from the entire Word of God. But the NIV reads it this way, and I think it, I think it works better this way. The NIV says it this way, And we know that in all things God works. For the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we're facing today. I want you to know, if it's a heartache, if it's trouble, if it's sickness, if it's your job, whatever that might be, I want you to know in those circumstances and in that situation, God Almighty works. Things might not work to your good, but I'm here to tell you, if you'll trust God and you'll believe the Lord, he will work toward your good. So he came to heal broken hearts. I wanted to expand on this second one for just a moment. If you look at your notes, three things to remember when dealing with a broken heart. And we know we face broken hearts when there's death. We know we face broken hearts when there's a divorce. We know we face broken hearts when, when there's sickness. There are many things that cause us to have broken hearts. Many moms and dads have broken hearts because of their sons and their daughters and the way that they live. Many grandparents and uh, those that have grandchildren have broken hearts because of the way that their grandchildren live. But I'm here to tell you that God Almighty is a healer of broken hearts. But three things I want you to notice as we look at it in dealing with a broken heart. Number one or A, broken hearts are open hearts. Broken hearts are open hearts. Broken hearts are vulnerable. And that's the reason it is so important for us not to make major moves and make major decisions when we're going through brokenness. Whether it's a divorce or whether it's death, we need to understand that broken hearts are open hearts. And I want to encourage you this morning, in the time of brokenness, look to Jesus Christ to be your refuge. Number one, or A, broken hearts are open hearts. Number two, pain is personal. Healing is corporate. One of the first things that we all want to do when we get disappointed, when we experience broken hearts, all of us, we want to sort of close the blinds and stay home and not be around anyone. But that's one of the worst things that you could do because one of the best things you could do is be part of God's family. And that's the reason church and attending church is so vitally, so vitally important. Paul writing to the church at Galatia said this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. All believers are called to carry each other's burdens. And the community, and I can't think of a better community than the church community, and we can have neighbors and friends. So understand this, that pain is personal, healing is corporate. And that's the reason that I'll, I encourage people not 
not to close yourself in. Of course, you want to be careful who you talk to. If you're going through a trial, if you're going through a test, and you're facing pain in your heart, and listen, there's no pain like the pain of the heart. And you may be here like that. One of the best things to do is get involved in helping others and get involved in sharing with others. Number three, worship creates perspective. So what we need to do is get our eyes off of ourselves, turn our eyes, as the song says, upon Jesus Christ and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you may have come in this morning and Brother Matt and the team singing and you may have said to yourself, well, I certainly don't feel like singing. Maybe for something you've gone through this past week. Well, I certainly don't feel like clapping my hands. I don't feel like getting involved with the music and the singing. But as you begin to worship God, as you begin to focus on his character, on the characteristics of heaven and the characteristics of Jesus Christ, something begins to happen in your life. Look what we say. Worship puts our pain in its rightful place under the reign of an already victorious king. So I'm here to tell you today, if you're hurting, if your heart is breaking because of what someone did or did not do, begin to focus on what Jesus Christ can do for you and allow him to be your refuge. Jesus said, and I believe all of us as a church, all of us are part of the church of God as we're as believers. I believe all of us have the same mission that Jesus had. He said, the anointing of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and number three, proclaim liberty to the captives. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Sin enslaves. If you're here today and sin controls you, you say, Pastor, what kind of sins? Maybe you're bound with fear. Maybe today you're bound with anxiety, with depression, unforgiveness. And what happens when we fail and we refuse to forgive something that someone did to us in the past or someone has done to us, it turns into bitterness and it destroys us. I want to encourage you to understand how God can set you free from that bitterness. Maybe today we're here and we're bound by addiction and we've been struggling and we don't want to be bound. I'm here to tell you that God can set you free from that addiction. How about lust, hatred, anger? Whatever controls you, whatever is destroying your life, Jesus Christ has come to set you and I free. Come to set us free. I have a little article I want to read for you today. It says, on July the 31st, 1838, on the island of Jamaica, William Nibs gathered 10,000 slaves for a great praise gathering. They were celebrating the new Emancipation Proclamation Act that would abolish slavery on the island. They had built an immense coffin, and in two it were placed whips, branding irons, chain shackles, and slave garments, and all the things that represented the 
terrible slavery system that was now coming to a welcome end. At the first stroke of midnight, at the midnight bell, Nibs shouted out, The monster is dying. At each stroke of the bell that followed, this cry was repeated, and the great crowd began to join the cry. And at the twelfth stroke, 10,000 voices cried out, The monster is dead. The monster is dead. Let us bury him. They then screwed the coffin lid down, lowered it into a huge grave, and covered it up. That night, every heart rejoiced, and 10,000 voices hoarse shouting and crying with joy. For a lifetime, they had been subject to bondage, but now they were free. There's a tragic side to this story. Listen at me. While many slaves rejoiced in their new liberty and freedom, there were some who lived in the remote areas of the island. They did not know they had legally been set free because they didn't know for many years after the Emancipation Proclamation had been made a law, they still continued to serve their slave masters. Their former masters successfully kept the news from them as long as they could. By law, they had been declared free. Men, they had been declared free. They did not have to live as slaves any longer. However, ignorance of the truth kept these poor people in bondage. You've been set free today. Jesus Christ came. God Almighty sent his son so that whosoever will could have eternal life. So that whosoever will could break those chains of bondage. So that whosoever will could experience this liberty, this freedom, but the devil will keep you from that truth as long as he possibly can. And he may hide it from you, but listen to me today. You are free. You can be free. The blood of Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the faith in him will make you whole. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Number four, to give sight to the blind. Satan, sin will blind us today. We sing a song sometimes, open the eyes of my heart. Many are blinded to the fact that God Almighty has already set us free, liberated us, and made us whole. He came to give sight to those who are spiritually blind. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. But even if our gospel is veiled, he says, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Let us see that we are really and truly free. Let us see that these chains that once bound us no longer bind us today. To bring light to them, giving that light to those that sit in darkness. And what I'm praying today, that all of us here in this service 
will allow our eyes to be opened. Not only to give sight to the blind, but to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Sin oppresses its victims, but God has come to set us free. The word, notice what we say. The word oppressed could be also translated bruised. Are we bruised? Are we hurt? Are we in bondage? Do the chains bind us today? It has the idea, this word, of those that are crushed. And many let no one know it, but not only those that are crushed, but those that are shattered, broken down, mistreated in life. He came to free us. Notice what Matthew chapter 11 says. This is Christ himself. And it's just as though he was standing on this platform. You say, Pastor, you believe Jesus is, is alive today? Absolutely. You believe he's aware of my, my needs and my concerns? Yes. You think he knows when I lay my head on my pillow at night and all the lights are out and my heart is bursting and hurting within? You think he knows about that? Yes, I do. He not only knows about it, he cares. But not only does he know about it and care, he's able to do something about it. Listen to what he says as the writer Matthew says. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find, there it is again, you will find rest for what? Your souls. It's one thing for the physical body to get tired. It's something else for the person on the inside, the soulish part that will never die. It's one thing for God to say, I'm going to give your soul rest. For my yoke is easy, and certainly my burden is light. Matthew is so clear. Not only to set at liberty those who are oppressed, but proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you know anything about Scripture, you can see here where he's talking about the year of Jubilee. Now understand, follow me just a moment. Understand Jesus, uh, Luke tells about his, his great temptation in the wilderness. The Bible says that the Spirit of God led him, led who? Led Jesus into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted of the devil. We think if the Spirit's going to lead us, he'll lead us beside still waters. That's what Psalms 23, 2 says. But not every time. For Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and Satan tempted him. And there he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He defeated Satan, how? With God's word. He came out of the wilderness back to his hometown, Nazareth. He goes to church, the synagogue, which is his usual practice. And he, he stands up and they hand him this scroll from Isaiah. And he reads this and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And here is why I'm on this earth. This is what I'll do for you. And then he told him, and then he sat down, and he taught them. He ministered to them. This is the homeboy that's come home and telling them 
what is happening. And he's talking about the year of Jubilee. He's talking about the fulfillment of this scripture of Isaiah 61, hundreds of years later, being fulfilled on this day. He said, this day, this scripture has come to pass. How is that? Because Jesus came to fulfill that scripture. And what he read about was about himself. And he said, the year of Jubilee. What was the year of Jubilee? Every 50th year in Israel, listen at me. Every 50th year, there was a celebration. It was called the year of Jubilee. And if people had lost their lands and, and their treasures, it would come back to them. It was given back to them. In other words, the people of Israel had a brand new beginning. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year of liberty. This is the year of setting free. In fact, slaves, that 50th year, everyone that was in bondage was set free. They had liberty and freedom. And that's what he's saying. I've come to fulfill this scripture. And I want you to know that in that fulfilling that scripture, that you are free. You are free. It was a year when all debts were forgiven. He paid a debt he did not owe. Christ did. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace the whole day long. Because Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. I want you to be able to grasp that. And that's what he was telling. That's what he was saying that the debt is paid. All land was returned to its original owner. Slaves, as I said, were set free. And this 19th verse also refers to the Jewish expectation, as I said, of the Messiah. He's come. Look at, look at it with me just one more time. Jesus said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Same thing today. I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He'll do it today. I'm anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives. Many people are bound and don't even know it. They're bound spiritually. Oh, we are free here in America. We can go and come as we want to. But I wonder spiritually. I wonder in our minds, I wonder are we free? He's saying today, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come to give sight to the blind. Ask the Lord this morning, deep down inside, Father, am I blinded to my own life? Am I blinded to my lifestyle? Am I blinded to disobeying the word of God and not living according to what it says? Not only to give sight to the blind, but set at liberty those who are oppressed and then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. As they come to get ready to sing us a song and we end this service, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's found in the book of Acts. Herod, Herod was an evil ruler, an evil man. We can find this in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. Herod rose up, persecuting the church. He took James, the brother of John. He took James, one of the spiritual 
leaders of the early church. And he had him killed. James experienced martyrdom for the stand that he took for the gospel. In fact, almost every one of the disciples experienced martyrdom because of their stand that they took. And so he had James arrested and killed. And then he put Peter in prison. And Peter was there in this prison. But I want you to know, and I don't, we won't take time to read it today. If we'd read uh, Acts chapter 12, it's just a great, great story. A true story. A story that plays itself out in our society today. Because there are many that are in prison. So he took Peter and he was going the next day have Peter killed just like he had James killed. And so Peter was sitting between two soldiers. There were two other soldiers outside. In fact, there were 16 soldiers that was guarding Peter. His left hand was chained to one of the soldiers' left hand. His right hand was chained to another soldier's hand. And here he was sitting between these two soldiers. Soldiers all around, bars all around, prison all around. But the Bible said something that's very important. But the church prayed. Herod had hit had his prison. Herod had his authority. But there was prayer being prayed for Peter. And the Bible says that Peter was asleep. He wasn't filled with anxiety. I got a feeling if I'd been in prison, knowing that James, my friend, my close friend, had been put to death, I have a feeling I'd probably been awake all night long. But he wasn't filled, filled with fear. He was not filled with anxiety. He was asleep. Now listen at me. All of a sudden, there was a bright light in the prison cell. And there was an angel that touched Peter on the side and said, Peter, it's time to get out of here. And I don't know how many angels there are. I love to study about angels, talk about angels, because I believe in angels. If you read Revelation, you'll find out that there are millions and millions of angels. But one angel came in that prison cell that night and said, Peter, it's time to get out. Put your cloak on. Gird up your loins, Peter. Put your sandals on. It's moving time. I don't know what kind of soldiers you're between. I don't know what kind of bondage that binds you. I don't know what kind of chains fetter you today. But I'm here to tell you it's time to come out. I'm here to tell you that whether it's an angel, the Spirit of God, the message from a preacher, or just simply sitting down and reading God's Word, let God's Holy Spirit convict and let Him change your life. Peter rose up. Now, I don't know how he got out of there because we know it was a sovereign, miraculous act of God because it didn't wake up the soldiers. Those chains fell off. It's something when the chains of sin fall from your life. There is no weight like the weight of sin. 
There is no pain like the pain of sin. But I'm here to tell you that Christ can take care of all the pain. He's a chain breaker. Say it in your heart. He's a chain breaker. Say it out again. He's a chain breaker. Listen, Mom. Listen, Dad. Listen, young person. Jesus Christ is a chain breaker. Peter walked out of that jail. I don't know if he walked through the bars. I don't know what it was. But then when he got to the iron gate outside, which nobody could open except the right people, that iron gate heard the voice of God say, open sesame. And that iron gate just did this. He just opened up. And the angel stayed with Peter the whole time. And when he got to a certain street, the Bible says that the angel left him. And Peter looked around and he came to himself. And he didn't realize. He thought he was dreaming. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ had set him free from the bondage of sin. Hallelujah. That's what the Lord wants to do for you today. He wants to set you free from the bondage of sin. Listen to this song. My chains are gone. My chains are gone. Hallelujah. Would you close your eyes as we stand before the Almighty God this morning? Father, we're so thankful for your precious power, your word. We're so thankful, Lord, for the liberty and the freedom that you provided for your people. God, we're so thankful that we live in a free nation. But more than that, we thank you that we can live free in our hearts and our lives. And you can set us free from fear. You can set us free from over-anxiety. You can set us free from depression. You can set us free that we've been carrying around this unforgiveness for years. But this morning we lay it on the altar. We choose to forgive that person that harmed us, that wronged us. God, you can set us free from unforgiveness. You can set us free from bitterness. Lord, how our hearts have been saddened because of bitterness. You can set us free, Lord, this morning from addiction. You know what that addiction is. Maybe it's lust. Maybe there are things that we don't want to yield to, but we yield to them. Maybe it's pride. We've allowed pride to come in and destroy our lives. You can set us free from that pride, that hatred. God, we believe that you're setting us free today. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and maybe God has touched your heart, maybe the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is here. Maybe the Holy Spirit has dealt with you. I want you to pray a prayer in your heart. Say, Father, forgive me today. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, accept Him right now. Say, I accept Christ as my personal Savior to live for Him the rest of my life. I need to be set free. I need to come out of bondage. I need those chains that have bound me so long to be loosened from my life. And Father, we pray that 
in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. We still have time. Our time is still good. If you'll remain with me for just another moment, we're going to sing that verse in course again. The altar is open. Listen, there's nothing like praying around an old-fashioned altar. Maybe you're here today and you've known Christ, but you've drifted away from him. You'd like to renew your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're here today, you have a special, special physical need. Whatever your need is, we have prayer warriors that will pray with you. Sing it with them as we sing it again. If God has touched your life in a special way today, maybe you've made a decision to draw closer to him, a decision to accept him, a decision to allow him to change your life today. I have a little book I want to give to you, whatever new converts should know. After the service, I'll be up here. Uh, my wife is going to go back to the, to the welcome center or back to the room. Wait just a minute. I want you to, don't, don't go just yet. Stay with me. I feel more comfortable with you by my side. Amen. But, uh, but I, I just want to be able to minister to you today. I want to thank you for coming. Let me pray this prayer, then I want to mention something to you. Father, I thank you for every prayer, for every song. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for every family that's represented in this place today. I thank you because you know every need. It doesn't matter what that need might be. And you're ministering right now, I believe, to every open and receptive heart. In Jesus' name, amen.